Today's special, I can't believe the Celtics traded down edition of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. That is our presenting sponsor. That is the easiest way to shop for the best tickets. Thanks to their revolutionary grading system, buy and sell tickets and two taps on your phone. Everything fully guaranteed. It is baseball season, especially after the NBA draft and free agency. All we're going to have to care about is baseball for six weeks right now. My listeners get $10 off baseball tickets the first time they use SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app, which you can download, and just use my promo code BSMLB. We are also brought to you by The Ringer.com. It is Good Bad Movie Weeks. Good Bad Movie Week. Good Bad Movies Week. I know I can speak on The Ringer.com. If you want to read about all the good bad movies out there, jump in. We did a top 50 today. We talked to the guy who who uh, did the Razzies. We have a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Good Bad Movies Week. Also, the Ringer's NBA Draft Guide, which is the best draft guide on the internet. I'm not. That's not even hyperbole. It, it just is. If you want to follow up on all these draft prospects that you're hearing about and reading about, go check that guide out and check out all of our NBA Draft content this week. Speaking of the NBA Draft, I will be going on Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. This week, we're going to be talking about NBA Draft props. And we are taping that tomorrow, Tuesday, I mean, at 4.30 p.m. And so it'll be up when? Late night, Tuesday night? Yep. Yep. And then we got two more BS podcasts coming this week as well, including Malcolm Gladwell's coming on this week. And then we'll have a big Friday after the draft uh, extravaganza podcast. But coming up right now, we have the Ringers, Kevin O'Connor. With the Ringers, Chris Ryan, we're going to break down the Markel Fultz slash Celtics slash Sixers trade. And then around like the 40-minute mark, the ringers, Mark Titus, is going to come on to give his take on all these different prospects that you're hearing about and the false trade. And then finally, at around the one-hour mark, my dad, longtime diehard Celtics fan, very upset about the Celtics trade. He's very upset they traded down. He hates trading down. He's morally opposed to it. And, uh, and he's going to come in hot. I can feel it. He's going to come in very, very, very hot, guns blazing. So that's the podcast. But first, our buddies from Pearl Jam. All right, as promised, the hardest working man in show business, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. He has been... He wrote two columns this weekend. I think he's been on 75 radio and TV shows. And now he's here on the BS Podcast. Big trade. Terrible timing, as always, for for us. We hate when things happen on a Friday night and a Saturday morning when nobody's on the internet. But uh, we felt like this had a chance to happen for a month or so. Who were you more surprised pulled the trigger, Philly or Boston? I'm surprised Boston pulled the trigger as soon as they did. I, I thought, if anything, this would last maybe until Wednesday night, Thursday night, a little bit before the draft. The fact that it happened when it did, that part's surprising to me, Bill. Just the timing of all of it. Do you think that they were worried about something with faults where they had to maximize what the possibility of the trade was? Like, I don't understand why they didn't wait. The only explanations I could come up with are either... They're worried about something with him physically, or um, they. This is part one of a part two move, which will be Jimmy Butler for Jay Crowder and the third pick. Which what? Which which so, would, what would be your guess? 
I, I think okay, I think it's definitely the the second part you mentioned where it's they're trying to make a bigger move. But in terms of faults specifically, basketball in drafting and decision making is so much more more about more than just what the guy does on the court. And this is just speaking generally, but personality matters character matters health matters and i think that's why there was a lot of talk last week or last weekend about philly needing to see Fultz's medical records i don't think there's a problem everybody i've talked to has said he's fine however Fultz did hyperextend his knee twice in high school and then this last season at washington he did have a sore right knee so he said he's had knee injuries on both knees in the past four years so naturally if you're a team you want to check that out if there's so much that goes into decision making beyond just basketball so that all could have played a factor did it for boston i don't know but it certainly could have because it does for every team and every prospect the team scout so from what i know of this whole thing just from my little birdies in the boston organization area slash whatever um from the moment (laughs) they got this first pick i think they knew that faults was either the best player in the draft or in the conversation for the best player but clearly you know, somebody who had a chance to be on eight to 10 all-star teams if everything worked out great. Maybe not one of the best five players in the league, but one of the best 12 to 15. But the moment they got this pick, I think they were also kind of hoping that somebody underneath them would overpay for it. And, you know, it's that Ainge and Belichick, football's different than basketball, obviously. Belichick trades down every time, unless it's somebody like Andrew Luck. He if if it's like the Miles Garrett draft, he's trading backwards. He's just trying to get more assets for the one pick. Um, I think Ainge is wired like that a little bit, but you know this is a situation where Philly at number three in a loaded draft, which I think has a chance to be the best draft since 1998, um, just from like a one to ten standpoint. But I think Ainge just looked at this whole thing and said, if I move back two spots. I might get the best player in the draft at number three anyway. And I pick up this extra asset and I have more trade value stuff. It was just never a slam dunk for them. Um, And then obviously when they worked out faults for, I don't know what, two different times, if he had blown them away, they don't entertain the trade. So that, that's what I want to find out. What happened when faults came? What is your intel on that? Well, I think one of the things you hit on, Bill, is, uh, is kind of the what matters here with Fultz, right? Like, they might have been blown away with Fultz, but it's also possible that they were blown away from other players, too. This yep. year's draft is deep. There's a lot of good talent. So there's been a lot of talk the last week about how you shouldn't deal the number one pick. Historically, X amount of players that are drafted number one turn into all-star players, and that's true. But the thing is, and like this is one of the things I wrote about on the article this morning, is that every draft is independent. Like you need, you can't look just at history. You yeah. need to project the particular draft that you're scouting based a little bit on history. So one of the you mentioned the 1998 draft. Someone I talked to a couple months ago talked about uh, compared it to the 1999 draft. Mm. And normally, historically. 
uh, the draft, like the number one pick starts at the top of the slope and then it kind of just drops off quickly uh, in terms of production per pick, expected pick value. But if you look at 98 and 99, it's pretty close to a flat line in terms of the the production the players had throughout their career. And I know it's a little bit hard to explain over podcasts, but Draft Express is a great tool for pick expectations. And if you plug in 1999 or 1998 on there, you see it's a flat line kind of from the one pick to the 10 pick and then the drop off happens right and that's what i think will happen in this year's draft and that's why trading down has made sense for the last couple months and that's why i've been writing about it so much and i think i think all those teams up top would be smart to at least explore it so the fact the celtics did it isn't really surprising but it's a cool thing to see considering the nature of this draft so 1998 here's the top 10 Olawa candy bibby lafrance so when that happened, Kevin, you were like two years old during that draft. But when that happened, <laughs> Paul, Paul Pierce <laughs> was supposed to go one or two to the Clippers or the Vancouver Grizzlies, and he started dropping. Then it went Jameson, Vince hmm. Carter, four or five. Now my dad and I, I was actually doing a running diary of this draft for my old website. My dad and I are watching this draft. I, I'm running over because back in the day we didn't have wireless so I'm running over to his uh, his computer in the other room, and I'm just like Googling, primitive Google, to see if Paul Pierce like had a cocaine problem or something, because we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> he's dropping, he's dropping. We're hoping for Nowitzki, because we were infatuated by this 19-year-old German who had Larry Bird's hair who could shoot, who was seven feet. Robert Trailer six. Jason Williams, seven. Larry Hughes, eight. Now, now all of a sudden, it's Nowitzki and Pierce still on the board, and we're a pick away. Uh, Nowitzki goes nine for the trade and then Pierce falls to 10. The best two guys in that draft went nine and 10. So now you go the next year, 99, which you mentioned, which I agree is probably more similar to this draft. That was Elton Brand, Steve Francis, Baron Davis, Lamar Odom. And that was at the time, that was your top four. Like people felt like that was our top four in some order, which reminds me of this draft with, uh, you have Fultz, you have Lonzo, Tatum and Jackson, I think, is the consensus top four for this one. Then you had Jonathan Bender at five, who was the high school guy who never should have gone that soon. Serbiak, Rip Hamilton, Andre Miller, Sean Marion, Jason Terry. That was your top ten. And then it and, drops off. And then it drops off and it's done. Now you're the Alaskan assassin, Trajan Langdon, Alexander Rodachevic, Corey <laughs> McGetty, William Avery, Fred Wright, Weiss. Like the draft fell off a cliff. And you're right. It's it's like the 99. I tweeted that I thought this draft was better than 03 because I said it's the best draft since 98. And people got upset because they feel like 03 was this unbelievable draft. And it was. It was top-heavy. You had LeBron. You had Wade. You had Carmelo. You had Bosh. Other than that, you didn't have anybody. You know, the, the reason why this draft is so great is because I forget who has the ninth pick. Dallas? Dallas might get the best Dallas, guy in the draft. Yeah. Dennis Smith might fall to Dallas. He might just be, yeah, he might be the best guy in the draft. We don't know. That's why what I love about this draft. It's an amazing draft in that sense, and that's why, like, when people have unorthodox rankings, like if somebody has Dennis Smith third on their rankings, I'm not, I I don't agree, but I'm not going to really argue like against them because this year's draft is just like that, And, and I think the maybe the top nine guys in my opinion I, I have Donovan Mitchell ranked 10th on my board and I like him a lot but kind of the top nine is where any of those guys 
it wouldn't stun me if 10 years from now we're like, oh, how'd Dennis Smith fall to 10? How'd Malik Monk end up with the, being the 12th pick? Jonathan right. Isaac falling to 7? How? How did we miss that? It's just one of those years, and that's why trading down makes sense. And that's why for some teams, like the Kings, I'm not dealing 5 and 10. I'm keeping no. both those swings that I have. Yeah, because... 10, even though it feels like it's an 8 or a 9 player and then it drops, so they're kind of sitting on the outside looking at the next wave of guys, but teams always screw up. You know, you always mm-hmm. might have Minnesota taking Markin in 7th, and then all of a sudden oh, that pushes boy. somebody back. Or Dallas, mm-hmm. who the hell knows? Dallas has, Dallas has always been kind of unorthodox with the draft. Like, two teams screw up. That's what happened with the Celtics. The Celtics had, in 98... They had the 10th pick in an eight-player draft, and two teams screwed up. And all of a sudden, Paul Pierce is sitting there at 10. So, I, you know, there, there's so many different little... We have the Ringer NBA Draft Guide, which I would encourage everybody who cares about this draft remotely to, uh, to go check out. Because we just... You and Danny Chow and Jonathan Sharks, everybody did just a fantastic job. I talked to Jalen this weekend because he's doing the draft, and we had our annual long phone call about it and at the end I sent him the ringer NBA draft guide I was like you should use this check this out and he loved it he and Jalen like barely goes on the internet so even he loved it but (laughs) we were talking about um all the different little arguments within this draft which is one of the things that makes it so great like Fultz is the best prospect in the draft from you know a safest bet standpoint but Dennis Smith might end up being a better player. I don't know. I wouldn't bet my life against it. Then you have Jackson versus Tatum as small forwards who could go three or four, three or six, four or seven. Uh-oh, Chris, Sixers fan Chris Ryan is entering the building. Uh, we just don't know. So you have all these little arguments within the argument. And that's why if, the, if Danny Ainge looked at this and he said, and he said, you know what? I think Jackson or Tatum are the two best players in this draft. We could just get these guys at three. Let's pick up an extra pick. I can't say he's wrong. I would have kept the pick and, mm-hmm. and taken faults, but I, I can't say he's wrong. Can you say he's wrong if he feels that way? No, because the thing is, is like everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people have this feeling that every single general manager in the sport, every single executive and scout has the same rankings that they see on The Ringer, on ESPN, on Draft Express, on every site. But that's not the case. Every executive within individual fr- team front offices has different boards. And if you don't, that's usually when there's a problem because there's groupthink. You want differences in your draft board because you want disagreement and you it, it, within a front office. So look, yep. if Danny Ames has something drastically different from other guys in that front office if Daryl Morey has different rankings from other guys in his front office that's what you want you want disagreement and there's really no consensus I think Markel Fultz uh, Markel Fultz rather is the the consensus number one prospect he's not the unanimous number one guy if you ask scouts and executives across the league this is not town sitting there at number one and if you move Anthony back, Davis. right. And if you move back to yep. like Anthony Davis, it's a good example. You move back two spots, and now you're getting Bradley Beal instead of Anthony Davis. And I really like Bradley Beal. Did I just walk in on you guys drinking green Kool Aid and talking no. about how, how no. Danny's figured it all out? <laughs> I actually really like Fultz, and that's Chris Ryan, by the way, Sixers fan. I really like Fultz, and I had become very attached to him thanks to the ten and a half hours of YouTube clips I watched. <laughs> so it hurt a little bit, but. 
but you know, the Belichick, I always go back to what would Belichick do? Belichick would try to get more assets out of the pick. And this Lakers pick they got, it's guaranteed to be two through five or they get the Kings pick the next year. So mm-hmm. now you have two swings. And if they're going to trade number three anyway, which it seems like it's in play, and you flip three for Butler instead of flipping one for Butler, and then you also get this Lakers pick, like that would make sense to me. Would that make sense to you, Chris Ryan? Yeah, I think that Kevin's been writing about this all year. Like, what are the Celtics building for? Are they building to beat LeBron? No, no. Are they building to be the landing spot for Anthony Davis in a couple years where they make a post-LeBron run at the Eastern Conference in the finals? Are they the team that's going to challenge the Warriors? Because Jimmy Butler feels like a real let's beat LeBron move. And I know that Kevin like, has said, you know, like they're doing both. And that's what the, the sort of like the balancing act that he's doing, that Danny is doing, is like trying to build for now and build for three years from but now. But I don't, I don't even know if that's a future versus present move because Jimmy Butler's good and he's young and he's under a good contract. So if you feel like, you're just grabbing somebody who's already the, what do you think, Kevin? He's like the 14th best player in the league, somewhere in that range. Yeah. With a chance to get better. Like yeah. And he's, he's what, 25? Jimmy Butler? 27. Yeah. So 27. 27. 28 yeah. next year. Okay. 28 next year. Yeah, a little later yeah. than I'm, eh, yeah. I don't know. Exiting his prime. Ah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I'm a little unsure on Jimmy Butler. Uh, I love Jimmy Butler as a player, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Uh, a part of me would rather take the gamble on Paul George over Butler, depending on the. And I think oh, George wow. would be cheaper too. Oh no, I would not take I'd, the gamble on Paul I'd, George. I think he's I, already looking at houses on Redfin and the LA area. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that's but a done deal. It, yeah, I, I get the I get a vibe that he just wants to go L, go to LA and enjoy himself. And I mean, he's homesick in a way. I think the vibe well, I get from people I've talked to. We started talking about this in January, February. I think Indiana missed a really big window to trade him because, and we've seen this happen over and over again with teams. They missed the Darren Williams window. They missed the, the Darren shock, Williams window. The and we, shock window. We yeah. talked about it on this podcast. We wrote about it in the ringer. Utah is the only example of a team that proactively said, we don't, look the look in, we don't like the look in this guy's eyes. Let's, let's move. Paul George, everybody knew that he was looking at 2018 and that it wasn't realistic for him to stay in Indy. And I think if you're Indy, you just go, well, what are we if we don't know Paul George? I would look at it the opposite. I think Boston would have overpaid for him in February. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's just a better trade. Now we're, we're heading toward a similar situation, maybe with Anthony Davis, if free agency doesn't work out for the, for the Pelicans this summer. Where free agency is not going to work out for the Pelicans. Drew Holiday leaves. <laughs> And it's just Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins. Yeah. They're now staring oh, into the sun with oh this Anthony Davis thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you could mm-hmm. argue maybe you just load up and get a million they can't picks flip from Boston. Boogie until what, what was the what's the rule like once they acquire can they when can they flip Boogie? Well, they can trade him anytime. They just can't trade him back to Sacramento. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know what they do. But anyway, uh the Paul George thing. So, if he goes to Cleveland, which is how this feels like this is going to work out. Yeah, well, Cleveland's pressing. There's a love, Paul George, either it's straight up or there's a third team or however it's going to work Sounds out. Sounds like Indy wants more based on, based on rumors this morning. Like the Indiana want is, is, inter- is willing to do it, but they want more than just love. Or flip love to a third team and get assets for that or right. however it works out. I don't think the Celtics can beat the Cavs with Kyrie Irving, Paul George, and LeBron James next year. No, which, I, don't, I don't think so. Which makes me think they no. should just keep the pick. And take 
Kevin, you think they like Jason Tatum the most of any player in this draft, correct? Yes, Jason Tatum from Duke. Go-to scorer, shot maker type. All right, we're going to call Mark Titus in a little bit to ask him for his thoughts on Jason Tatum since he watches more college basketball than anyone I know except maybe KOC. But Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Do you like Danny Ainge's draft picks? So this is, and we're going to call my dad at the end of this podcast because this is my dad's conundrum. My dad thinks Danny Ainge makes great trades, but then makes terrible draft picks. I would w- picks. much rather have trader Danny than drafter Danny. And and if you guys are, <laughs> if you guys are like putting your eggs in the Danny Ainge see something in Jason Tatum that other people don't basket, good good luck. I think he's been, I think he's been above average. Okay. Al Jefferson, mm-hmm. Avery Bradley, Tony um, Allen. Tony Allen, Marcus Smart. Marshawn Brooks. Marshawn Brooks. There's been some bad ones. He passed on DeAndre. Yeah. Traded up to get Olympic. He passed over on Giannis. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. He passed on Draymond Green. Like, but a lot of teams did too. Yeah. Giannis, I'm not gonna hold against him. I did that draft. Jalen and I were actually talking about this weekend. Uh, us watching um Giannis clips on my iPad and trying to figure out if he was playing on ten foot rims or not. <laughs> like there's no way that guy was going thirteenth. I think Ainge's drafting record was incredible pre-Big 3 era, so pre-Garnett, pre-Ray Allen, but then after that, it's been not quite as good. And, I mean, one of the reasons is because of the quality of the picks, I mean, later in the draft. But he, he had a good hit rate early in the 2000s, and since then, it hasn't been uh, nearly as good as it was then. The only two indefensible Ainge picks were J.R. Giddens, which just felt stupid even as it was happening, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, Fab Mello. <laughs> The uh, dearly yeah, departed late yeah. Fab Mello, but in the moment that was it was like Fab Mello. That's yep. Fab Mello's a, a pick, and that, they were good guys on the board at that standpoint. But I thought the Jalen Brown thing worked out last year. I think if you do that draft over again, he's still KOC. Is he still the third pick? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Jalen's probably more like eighth, maybe eighth, what? something like that. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, maybe this, this draft is really good. No, that last he might have been eight. He might have went eighth last year if he didn't get picked by the Celtics. He might have slipped. Last year's draft, you think he would have been eighth if if, if no, it was no, a do over? Oh, oh, I thought you're saying. Wait, are you asking me if Jalen if he was in this year's draft? No, I'm saying last year. If we redid last year's draft, is he still oh, the third pick? No, 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 no. Okay, yeah, he'd still be third for sure. Oh, see, oh, Chris Ryan gave me okay. a smirk. Okay. Okay. Well, that's yeah, what I was he'd, saying. He'd so I also was with you when you were just like Jalen Brown. You were m- m- killing Jason Jalen Brown. Like, well, he he had a bad month. I got upset about it. Okay, I'm a passionate You're fan. I know. Yeah, I'm not fickle. I just I'm <laughs> passionate. I like I like my guys to be good every month. Okay. Now he showed me enough in Game Seven of the <laughs> Wizard series that made me think. That made made me still buy in, and I like the fact that he went to practice the next day after they got knocked out of the playoffs. Did you guys already talk about Isaiah? No, but I think we should because, you know, the thing I was the most surprised by, which KOC and I talked about on a pod two weeks ago, was when I was going to different playoff games, going to the finals games, how many people were asking me about whether they're going to trade Isaiah. And I do think that was part of this. I think if you take faults that, that if I'm Isaiah, I'm not ecstatic about that. 
I think he was saying all the right things about it. I mean, those guys both went they went to the same school. It sounds like they know each other at least. I mean, they, are they friendly, Tate? Yeah. They're yeah, they're friendly. friendly. I mean, I'm sure that I would actually just So I, if I hired a 25-year-old guy who loved the NBA and Game of Thrones and wanted to do all kinds of stuff, he you wouldn't feel you remotely have. threatened. I did. What? Entire staff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um no, I just think that here's my here's the scenario I could see playing out. Isaiah starts, Markel comes off the bench or maybe st- yeah, Markel comes off the bench, and by the end of the year, people are asking, "Shouldn't we be starting Markel?" Mar- or, Isaiah, or why he- are we paying Isaiah forty million when we just have Markel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I, I think that Danny have very subtly avoided that conversation by doing this. That, but that's but what I don't, he seems Smith? like way more of a businessman that he wouldn't care about that. Like he would be like, "Look," but you, you're the one who made it sound like it hasn't been since David Ortiz that this is there's been a folk hero in Boston like this. I think he's way too popular to get rid of personally. It, it would be the, one of the most unpopular Boston moves ever. It would, it would even be maybe more unpopular than when they traded Nomar, which was pretty unpopular. But uh, Kevin muttered under his breath when you were talking about what if they, what if they took Dennis Smith third? <laughs> Do you think that's conceivable? I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's not. I think Dennis Smith is a super appealing prospect, and he kind of fits Danny Ainge's type. Um, I don't think they'd take him third, but if you trade down again, which I reported this morning on the Ringer, is something that I've heard they've explored already. I don't think I don't know if it will happen, but it's something that I think they're open to. Uh, if you trade down again, Dennis Smith is one of the guys I'd have near the top of my list um, that I'd be targeting. I wonder the Suns at four. Although I, I've heard that the Suns are never going to trade with the Celtics again after the Isaiah Thomas thing. But if they made the Suns think they were going to take Josh Jackson, who I think is, I think the Suns, Josh Jackson and Lonzo probably make the most sense, but who the hell knows? But I wonder if they could convince him to flip. I think they like Tatum too. Yeah, so the Suns are fine. They don't need to trade up. And the Kings, if it's true that they like Fox, I never know what to believe because I think half of this stuff is full of shit. Yeah, like, half of it's agents. Half of its agents. Like, if we like some writer, we wouldn't start leaking to people that we like the writer. We would just kind of quietly try to get the writer, right? Yeah, I think that also, I mean, you just see there's, there's like, the Josh Jackson stuff over the last week before the Fultz trade. Yeah. Of, like, that, I think it was Thursday. Yeah. When Chad had, Chad Ford had Josh Jack Danny Ainge loves Josh Jackson. Yeah. And I wouldn't put it past him to take him one. You know, and it's it's like, that stuff is gets to Chad in a way. So that, that for for a reason, KOC could could Josh Jackson be Kawhi? No. Okay. I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't. With Jackson, why is it that last week the rumor was that Josh Jackson got a promise from a team or two or three, mm-hmm. and now now this over the weekend there was something that Jackson got promised from a team that's four or five. I mean, it, it's a little it's a little odd that so much stuff has been out there about Jackson getting promised from now four slots in the top yeah. five. It's just a little odd to me. Yeah, which is strange because he's a consensus top five pick. So obviously he would go in. He's probably going to go in the top five. It's it's almost maybe, it was maybe. like they were trying to send a signal to somebody not to take him. Yeah, but I, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> Sacramento, <laughs> <laughs> right? Jace, could Jason Tatum be Paul Pierce? Um, I mean, sure. Yes. I think Pierce is far more achievable than anybody than Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Okay. I don't think Josh Jackson could be as good as Kawhi Leonard, but saying like, could he be, is that his destiny to be that type of a talent 
where you're just I mean, an A plus defender, great athlete, and the offensive game is actually going to end up being a little better than people think. Depends, it's all but depends on where he lands. So yeah. much of Kawhi is where he landed in San Antonio. He ended up with the best shooting coach in the world, right? Maybe right. one of the best specialist coaches ever, uh, and he got that to improve his jump shot. Whereas Jackson. I don't, I don't know. Like Kawhi was a solid free throw shooter in college. He always had good touch. Jackson has poor form, poor success from the free throw line. That's, mm. that's my big hang-up with him. Just, I, I'm concerned about Jackson's shot. I really am. And I, if I'm a team in that top five, I'm asking myself, do I want to invest in somebody when we, we don't have Chip England on our, on our uh, coaching staff to fix his jump shot? You, you are, uh, I don't know. You're really I, high I on Tatum, aren't you? Yeah, you love Tatum. I love Tatum. I think he's going to be terrific. Great high free throw rate, um, big, big wingspan. Tell me, sneaky, sneaky big wingspan. Tell me, like I've never watched college basketball in the last ten years, which is almost entirely true. Right? (laughs) Why is is Tatum is appreciably better prospect than Jabari Parker was? Oh. Uh, I don't know if he's better than Jabari, but but he has he has the similar traits in the sense that like you can see that go to scoring ability. Parker was super smooth and still is. Tatum, his footwork is outstanding. Only nineteen. Uh, his ability to create space off the dribble. He's just so fluid with his movements. And I know we talk, we're always wowed and amazed by great athletes who just throw down amazing dunks and whatnot. And Tatum isn't really that guy. He he leans more on just his skill and his footwork and his fundamentals. And he still has athleticism, though. I, I just think when you project ahead with Tatum, some of the knocks on him are a little bit overrated. His defense isn't great. But if you put him in a situation like Boston that he'll need to defend to stay on the floor, he can. He's a better passer than he gets credit for. So he has other tools to complement his scoring ability. I, I just see him as an, a super advanced scorer for his age who is only going to get better. And plus, the other thing, like we talked about earlier, he's a great kid, really hard worker, and that stuff matters, all the intangibles off the court. And he's long. I was surprised as I he was doing long. all my recon. He's got the seven-foot <laughs> wingspan. Because you, now you have to like learn about all the other guys, right? Well, the thing is, <laughs> could he be a stretch four? And the answer is, or could you play small ball with him at the four? And you actually could because he's long. Right. He could just put his hands up and do stuff. All right, since we've blown Tatum for the last three minutes, I'm giving Tate 25 seconds to trash him. Here you go, Tate. He doesn't play defense at all, and he shoots all the time. <laughs> he doesn't pass anyone. Just look. Just ask Luke Kennard how many times Jason Tatum passed him the ball. Okay. There it is. That was uh, Duke Hater Tate <laughs> Frazier. <laughs> With his 15 <laughs> seconds of uh, of throwing cold water on us. Hey, let's talk about faults for a second. Yeah, man. So the Sixers basically said, we don't really like this third pick, even though this draft is awesome, because basically every single person we could take doesn't really fit in with who we have. Yeah. And we would love a combo guard who could shoot, who could play off the ball, who could dribble the ball, who could be a go-to scorer. This is why, like, five days ago, I was like, I'm, I'm married to Monk because... For the not only do I just love him, yeah, but I'm I'm he's the guy who I feel like fits in great with this team, right? Scores, but Fultz fits in even better. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was on the table. And that's on the table, <laughs> and obviously makes so much sense for them. I I gotta say, like normally I I hate everybody who is against the Celtics. It's gonna be really hard for me to root against the Sixers with Embiid, my son Ben Simmons, and Marco Fultz, all of whom I really enjoy watching, and Covington and Sarge. Can I, I like everybody in this team? What a profound impact the this whole the process has had on me. 
Yeah. Because you know what happens to me now every year? Is I get to the end of an incredibly long NBA season, yeah. and then the NBA season starts. Yeah. Because as soon as it's over, we're trading draft picks. We're drafting guys with like serious injury problems. I'm like watching summer league. It's like this is my this is you know my winter now, and you guys are all going into summer. But the Sixers are just the kings of the off season. We were on our Slack in the NBA section, immediately putting James Andrews photos, photoshopping them with the, with the four guys, Co- including Covington, who's put on 75 pounds of muscle and yeah. now looks like and had he's a meniscus last year on the challenge. Yeah. But uh, but Fultz, Embiid, and Simmons. Yeah. If they all stay on the court, which I think for two of those three is is completely 100% reasonable. Embiid, I don't know what to make of Embiid anymore. I mean, it did, a lot of this hinges on Embiid. They'll be fine. I think that they would be an adequate basketball team with the, with, with Fultz and Simmons and some Sarich kind of action in Covington. But if you add Embiid and Embiid is as good as he looked last year and gets better and stays healthy... Then what are we what are we talking about here? So could you play Embiid, Sarge, Simmons, Covington, and Fultz all together? That would be the that inverse of the Stan Van Gundy offense, right? Yeah, that feels <laughs> that weird, would be right? Like Embiid and no shooters. No, I mean every Embiid and like Sarge and, and Fultz can shoot, but the the Simmons not being able to shoot thing is really real, and and it's gonna be like the th- that's gonna be the biggest thing that we have to get through. Hold on, but Kevin's contract says that he now has to spend 15 seconds talking about how Simmons is shooting with the wrong hand. So go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Ben Simmons, who shoots with the wrong hand, uh, he um, he's going to have problems, I think, early in his career, and it's going to be an issue for the Sixers. And that's why Fultz was important, because they have another playmaker who I think could a little ease a little bit of pressure off him. But Simmons, look, teams teams are going to defend him like he's Jaleel Okafor. If he's yep. spacing at the three-point line, he's not a concern. Um, I, I have real concerns about him if he doesn't switch hands. And if anybody's wondering, like, why he's talking about Ben Simmons shooting with the wrong hand, article on the ringer, missed, uh, meet, meet the NBA shot doctors. In that is like a lot of uh, observational evidence that Ben Simmons shoots with the wrong hand. And he admitted himself in an article uh, a couple years back that when he grew up, he started with his right and his dad kind of made him switch to his left. So I think Ben Simmons shoots with the wrong hand, and that could be a problem in his NBA career. So, faults. Mm-hmm. Am I am I wrong to say you would have paid more than what you gave up for faults? Yeah. I would have, I you would have thrown Holmes in, right? I would have thrown Holmes in. Why didn't the Celtics get more, Kevin? That's my biggest... My biggest thing with this trade is not that they traded back. You it's and me that were they talking about more. number three, Sarich and Covington for number one the week before. I, like, and I, I, I was think, like, yeah, I think I'd do that. Right. I, th- I think it was really cap, saving cap space. Uh, I think that was part of it. They save about $1.4 moving from one to three. So if you take on a contract that's guaranteed, then you're just going to have to move that anyway in order to create max cap space. I mean, depending on the order of operations, like if they make a trade – before free agency, it's, it'll be really, really difficult to have max space. I mean, you might not be able to even get there. So I, I think that's what it was more about, about retaining their the maximum amount of flexibility that they have. Okay. So why not get like a pick swap in 2023 or something? Like anything. I, I, I don't know. My, pro- don't know. my problem I, with I'm this not, trade from, sure. Yeah, my problem with this trade from Boston side is that the way the trade is constituted Philly had to have said yes in three seconds. Like, Given right, the people involved, know. I agree with you. <laughs> All right, so we move up from three to one, yeah. and 
this Lakers thing from two to five protected or you get the Kings pick done. Call it in. I, I don't even think they would have haggled about that. But if the if the Celtics were then like, all right, throwing homes or we want to pick swap at any point from 2020 to 2023, I we get it once. Imagine this, I, I know that this isn't the case, but it's almost like there's a room that Brian Colangelo's in and he's like Desmond and lost. And when the trade call from Danny Ainge came in, he opens up like this manual and is like looking for like, if Danny Ainge calls right. and offers you this, then ask for this in return. Well, there's a fear. There's definitely a fear of Ainge because he's won so many trades. But like if I'm the Celtics, I, I really, I will never know because they never talk about this stuff. I'd love to know who made the first move. Were the Celtics quietly sh- trying to shop it, or were the Sixers saying, "Hey, what does ta- it take?" They didn't talk about the Sixers. Real, this had been talked about. Before. The Sixers approached them, or that the Sixers really wanted Fultz, and the Sixers would do what it took to get up to one. Hmm. What do you think, Kevin? Um, I think I think they're just a perfect match. Uh, yeah, I, I just did, don't yeah. see another team in that range that made any sense for Boston necessarily to trade down for in terms of anything that could be better than that Lakers pick. And that's where, uh, just playing devil's advocate here, what if, let's say the Celtics had held out and said, oh yeah, we can get better than that. We, you can you can have that pick be unprotected. What if it went the opposite way? What if closer to the draft, there's nothing out there for Boston and Philly's like, you know what? Let's make those protections 3-10 to 10 instead of 2-5. to five. I'm just saying, like, what if what yeah. if Boston actually had less leverage here than you think? Well, especially if they genuinely felt like they wanted to move back and that Fultz was the mm-hmm. wrong pick for them. And they were moving back anyway. Do you think it takes, if, if this third pick now becomes Butler, do you think that there is, like, a degree to which Ainge was thinking, what is the least amount that I can pay for Butler? And what can I get? getting there because I'm trying to figure out why he wouldn't just say if you want Butler why why help the Sixers why not just turn around and trade the one for Butler is I'm gonna one- a- I'm gonna answer that question in one second but first what's worse than having lousy sheets oh god I remember being in college <laughs> trying to prolong the same set of sheets for weeks because I didn't feel like doing laundry I still have nightmares about those sheets <laughs> guess what Great sleep starts with the right sheets, and they're more affordable than you think. With I bet Bowl your roommate and had Branch. worse nightmares about your sheets. <laughs> Maybe. Bowl and Branch. Tate, did Bowl and Branch send your sheets yet? Come on, Bowl and Branch. Send Tate some sheets. Most comfortable sheets you'll ever sleep in. Fall asleep faster. Sleep deeper. Wake up ready to kick some ass. Each sheet crafted from 100% organic cotton. Feel incredible. Look amazing. Since Bowl and Branch sells exclusively online, no expensive retail markup. Half the price, twice the quality. Anyone who sleeps on Bowl and Branch sheets loves them. Thousands of five-star reviews, raves in the New York Times and Forbes. Even three U.S. presidents have Bowen Brand sheets. I'd love to know which three. <laughs> I wonder if Trump's one of the three. Go to BowenBranch.com today and you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping when you use the promo code BS. Try them for 30 nights if you're not impressed. Return them for a full refund. $50 off plus free shipping right now at B-O-L-L and Branch.com. All right. What was your question? Was I said, a great why, question. what if the if the I if the goal is to trade for Butler? Yeah. And to give up the, they it, don't want to give up one for Butler, so you give up because three of the optics, and you keep the pick. Or because of because they think they can get something else out of that. So they get I think they're three, just looking at it as and they assets. get the future pick. So basically they're quote unquote drafting Butler, right? And then they have one of the two Sixers assets in future years plus the Nets pick plus their own pick. Why am I worried about an Isaiah Thomas Jimmy Butler combo? Because they're both very headstrong guys. Who like to have the ball all the time. Yeah. 
I don't know if that's. I, I'd be worried. I don't know if that's a great combo. I would rather take Tatum. I really would. I like the Tatum pick. I think he's good. I'd rather have Tatum and have the Laker pick. I'm good. I, I think there I don't could need be a lot Jimmy of problems in the locker room. I don't. They're not going to beat Golden State in the next two years anyway. Nobody's beating Golden State. Build for the future. That's what that would be my recommendation. Chris Ryan. What now about George? Deep you still, you still, what, if, what if George came really cheap, though? Like, I know you said earlier you don't want anything to do with George, but what, what if it was really 25 cents on the dollar? Yeah, but you would just... Would you be willing you to would, take the risk then? It would be so... This isn't David Cohn, man. You can't... You really can't just pay to rent him. Like, you gotta... David who? David Cohn. Like, you know where David or David Wells would get traded, like, every... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, at, the end, at every All-Star break to, like, play for Toronto or the Yankees? Like... I said on Ringer Slack, which nobody can see other than people at the Ringer... I, I I would not go further than Crowder, Smart, and the Laker pick for for George. And I don't even know Crowder if I Crowder and Smart? Crowder and Smart and the Laker pick. And I would keep this pick. And I, that and I would just try to see the one thing with Paul George that I haven't seen mentioned and I'm reasonably sure I'm correct on. If he makes second team or third team all NBA this year, this upcoming year. Mm-hmm then doesn't that mean the team that has him can offer more or no? No. No, it's just, it was just the Pacers. Oh, because he it's had the, the longevity there? Okay. That's the same yeah. thing with yeah. Boogie, right? Because they were that's why yes. they were furious that Boogie yep. got traded because it cost him that contract. Right. So exactly. if, if yep. Paul George was a smart person and wanted to play in a winning team, he should okay the Cleveland trade and play there for one year and then just sign with L.A. over having L.A. give up an asset that would help him build a better team. That's right? why Cleveland's it's the only Carmelo. right partner for this because yeah. Cleveland theoretically, Cleveland could only have another season of this core anyway. This is why the Celtics should not trade for Jimmy Butler. They're not beating a team but, with but, LeBron, Kyrie, and Paul George on it. They're just not. It's not happening. But why? Why would Indiana want Kevin Love? That that's the thing I can't figure out. The only benefit I like Kevin Love. Kevin Love is if you if you get him and you force feed him the ball like he did his last three years in Minnesota, he gets twenty six and twelve because he can still do that. And then you flip him as soon as possible. Because but keeping getting Kevin Love to keep Kevin Love makes zero sense. I I just don't see but why. But has it makes Indiana under Bird or team. even Pritchard ever suggested anything but like wanting to be in and around the playoffs? Being a forty two win team, yeah. I think he fits the plan uh, perfectly. If, if that's your goal, then great. If yeah, that's but your that's golden, one of those teams where thing, I feel like the institutional culture. Great. If that's one, of, but the, Indy's one of those teams where I feel like that's that's the culture there. They've never tanked. Old owner, right? Yeah, old owner. They don't tank. It's a little like what Herb Cole was like in Milwaukee too. Don't tank. Yeah, try to compete every year. I I'm higher on Kevin Love than you, Kevin. I think I think if if he's was just completely marginalized in Cleveland. And I still think it would take him a week to get the inside-outside game back, and you could build an offense around him and Turner. And to well, be that, honest, that's the appeal. I'm not crazy about. I, I'm not crazy what I saw from Paul George the last couple of years. I don't think he's a number one guy. I think he'd be an unbelievable number three guy. Well, that's what he's setting himself up to be. If you, yeah. I mean, unless he goes to the Lakers, and even in the Lakers, you know, it's like they're still trying to build up Ingram. They have the number two pick, unless they flip it for, for, for trade for George, I guess. If the Lakers could trade Ingram and Dang for Paul George, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, but if they're not going to trade Ingram, though. You no. wouldn't do that for who? Indy? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that for George. Ingram? You wouldn't do that if you were the Lakers. 
No, I'd, I'd keep Ingram. See, no way. Ingram's going to be really good. Like, like he, he made really good progress towards the end of the season. He's so young. But you're dumping like the Dan time. contract in that trade, I think, is part of the appeal, right? Uh, if you, if think, you think LeBron's think that coming. Big of a difference. If you think LeBron's coming. I think you, you can get George for cheaper than that. I really do. I really? don't think you should have to give up Ingram. So you're talking like a, a Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson combo? Yeah, I mean, why why not oh, get yeah, like D'Angelo I've, Russell instead? Like, I don't, why Ingram? Ingram is going to be really good for a really long time. If I was Indy, I would just call Paul George's bluff. And do what? Keep him? Just keep him and hope he makes all NBA and that you could offer him $50 million more than everybody else. I I think the whole re- I I don't think he wants to stay. We've been down this. This is this is Carmelo. All but if over I'm again. looking at Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson for Paul George, I'm just keeping him at that point and hoping that but February it, yields a better offer. If exactly if it is Carmelo, you can get a better offer in February. Yes. Some team will be willing to give more then. I think you, don't settle for just Kevin Love and like Jetty Osmond now from the Cavs and like they're 2021 first. Wait until the season and then some team might be desperate, willing to give up more. Maybe the Lakers at that point are like, oh, damn, we might lose them if we don't go all in. The now. only thing is, so is I think that's Kevin, what I agree doing. with you, but think about what would have happened if they tried to do Wiggins for Love at the All Star break. The year Wiggins got drafted after everybody saw that's his a good jumper. example. Well, that's a good example though. The I Wiggins like love thing happens their at the value as time. soon as they start playing. Yeah, it's true, but Wiggins love is the perfect test case for what Indy needs to do with Paul George, where the the greatest trade possible materialized out of nowhere. And if it's six months later, it all of a sudden maybe doesn't seem like the greatest trade ever. Right. Andrew Wiggins is wobbling around. Last question, KFC, and then we were going to call Mark Titus. How much did the brain doctor have to do with this trade? <laughs> For faults, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's very funny that you mentioned that. I texted one of my buddies about that yesterday. I, I asked like, that exact question. I wonder how much brain doctor factored it into this, and I don't know, but I'm sure the brain doctor certainly might have. You know, the Ange, role, uh, you know, Chris, you know, Ange's brain doctor. He's got, he's got like a a, a guru. He yeah, he asks all these weird questions. So he probably asked Markel faults like, okay, Markel. Uh, like a diehard situation, terrorist center of the Celtics practice facility. What do you do? Markel Fultz <laughs> is like, I'd look around and wait for somebody else to stop them. Oh. And they're like, you're out. We're trading you now. <laughs> like, I think they ask He's weird questions like that. Starfleet. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's the brain doctor. <laughs> All right, KOC, uh, we'll see you in LA. You're coming here tomorrow. And, uh, and I'm sure you'll probably be on at least seven of our podcasts over the next course, over the course <laughs> of the week. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. See you tomorrow. All right. Um, all right, we're going to call Mark Titus in a second. Tate, why don't you dial him up as, as yeah. I'm reading this ad? It's not just an ad. It's propercloth.com. Every guy knows that it's hard to find a dress shirt that fits. Maybe the collar's too tight, the sleeves are too long, the shirts are too loose, or you're like me where you, you're just a tall, lanky guy with no muscle tone whatsoever. Well, I have some good news. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier thanks to proper cloth. Create a custom shirt size in seconds. By just answering 10 easy questions, no measuring required. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, 500 fabric styles. From classic to business to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. All high quality with the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. Starting at just $80. Proper cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake it for free. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Look your best. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS to save $20. 
on your first shirt. Again, that is propercloth.com slash BS. Gift code BS. On the line right now, the biggest college basketball fan on the planet, Mark Titus. Oh, yeah. First question. Did my Celtics make the biggest mistake of our lives trading down and giving up Markel Fultz? You you made the biggest mistake in firing Rick Pitino, who just the news just broke. He's going to have to take down his 2013 national title banner. I thought that's why you had me on to talk prostitution. Uh, I forgot about. I thought we were oh. talking about prostitution. Yeah. Wait a second. Let's talk about that. I hate Rick Pitino. Give us the Rick Pitino story in two minutes. Uh, the Rick Pitino story. He basically like they brought 16 year old guys uh, on recruiting visits. Um, they would just be like hanging out in the dorms, and then suddenly these strippers would burst into the dorms and start giving them lap dances, and then the assistant coaches would toss some condoms and say, go have sex with these women, and the guys were really uncomfortable. And, um, yeah, and so now they're going to have to, like for the first time in NCAA basketball history, they're going to have to take down a national title banner, and it's amazing. It's unprecedented. And Rick Pitino, like, has released a press statement saying he's lost, like, all – He's lost all faith in the NCAA and what they stand for and all that kind of shit. Oh, my God. It's amazing. So, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Back so, to the point. So, wait, you're saying we shouldn't do that when we're recruiting for writers for The Ringer anymore? Right, right. Yeah, that's that's how I yeah that's how I came on with The Ringer. That's how, yeah. that's how you first got me. Uh, I know. You and I first got in touch, yeah, back in the day. You were 16, and I just sent some strippers <laughs> over to it. So, Patino doesn't get fired for that? Explain that to me just no. quickly. That's not well, a fireable offense? That's all that- no, because he wins games. That's all that matters. He he's a, he wins, you know. Bill, I'm gonna. Uh, this is gonna be shocking to you, but the NCAA, um, as it turns out, it's not just about amateur athletics and turning boys into men and giving guys education opportunities. It actually, it actually is a lot about money and um, oh. business. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, Chris <laughs> Ryan, shocking, I know. Sixers fan Chris Ryan is here as well. Who should he be? Anyway. Rank it from him being super excited about Markel Fultz to me being traumatized by it. Who do you feel more bad slash happy for? I would be happy. I would. I, I mean, I'm happier for the Sixers fans, obviously. Like that core. Thank of, you, Mark. What's it going to be? Simmons, Embiid, and Fultz. That's yeah. that's amazing. That's exciting. That's and TJ McConnell. Like that's a foursome. You know, that's that's terrifying. That's devastating. Future um, Sixer JJ Redick. Oh, Rashawn yeah. Holmes, Dario. What? What is? I'm sure you've already talked about this, or you will. Um, what is Danny Ainge doing? Like, I, I need this explained to me because I don't, I don't get into the weeds. He's of, playing seven-dimensional um, chess, Mark. Yeah, we, mere mortals like us can't explain how to build for 2018 and 2025 at the right. same time. We're 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 all playing checkers, and he's playing chess. So don't ask. It feels like he's waiting for like the 2025 draft so he can own the entire first round and just <laughs> sit back and just like, I want everybody. I'm taking them all, and that's his plan. I, I'm, I'm really confused, but um, yeah, I, I feel like he's overthinking it. I mean, like this is hyped as like the best draft in a long time, and I know every draft gets that gets built like that. That seems to be the thing every year. Like this draft is so, this draft is so deep and all that. But it felt like people were serious about this one. And you have a guy in Fultz who is clearly the best player and the deepest and best draft in a long time and all that kind of stuff. Like, why are we overthinking this, Danny? Just I hate this. Take the yeah, best it's player like, in the deepest draft. Everybody was like, this is the 99 draft again. And then the closer we get, it's like, oh, by the way, like Lonzo sucks and Tatum yeah, is right, just Jabari right. Parker. And uh, I don't know, like Darren Fox can't shoot. And then it just keeps getting worse and well, worse. Pay, everyone picks it apart. We KOC and I talked at the beginning of this about 
I really do feel like this is on the level of the 98-99, where if you have the ninth pick, you might get the best guy in the draft. We just don't know. But now yeah. I feel like people are like, eh, everybody's just waiting for Michael Porter anyway. You know, it's just like, what yeah, are we talking people, about? People, people, that's lazy narrative. But are you but that, sure? That's going to happen again next year. That's going to happen again next year. Porter's going to come along and they'll be like, well, he's not actually that good. Let's trade down and let's worry about the guy in 2020 who's going to be the like, – that's that it feels to me like the NBA like that's become the thing. It's just like we don't actually want to build a team now. We're just perpetually building for the future that never actually comes. I think it's, people it's hilarious to watch. I know, but I think people are paralyzed by the Warriors. I think they. Yeah, I think there's like a helplessness where they just look at it and they go, "Well, we can't beat that team anyway. So what do you do? You really like that's the true. Celtics that's were one point. of the the Celtics were the fourth, maybe even the third best team in the league this year. And they got annihilated by the Cavs, who then got annihilated by the Warriors. Yeah. And probably could have been swept if they didn't hit 24 threes. And they killed the Celtics. Yeah. Now, Isaiah wasn't healthy for that series. And there's still. been an erosion of appreciation for teams like Toronto, Washington, the Clippers. You don't want to be those teams. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. so if the Celtics take Jason Tatum at three and keep the pick, and then end up with this Lakers pick that, you know... Has a chance to be two through five next year, or flips to the Kings pick. But it, should I be bummed out that I get Jason Tatum out of this draft when I had the first pick? Is that is that what they're gonna do? You think Tatum? I think Tatum. Yeah, I think ta- I Tatum. Tatum makes sense. Yeah. So tell yeah, us like, about Tatum. I, I was under, I was under the impression they're gonna take Jackson, which I definitely did not like. I I like Jackson as a player. I do not like Jackson with the Celtics when they've already got like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, and they don't need another guy with a questionable jump shot. Right. Um, on the wing, who plays defense and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Tatum, yeah, Tatum to me is like the best. Um, he's he's the most NBA ready guy now. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't. There are a lot of factors that go into like winning Rookie of the Year and all that kind of stuff. But um, just as it stands today, without really knowing what teams all these guys are going to end up on and what their situations are going to be and what happens in free agency, um, Tatum to me like seems like a good Rookie of the Year pick. Um, just as far as. I mean, the downside to him is, like, what you see is what you get. Like, he's not – to me, he's not really going to get much better. I mean, he's just going to kind of be the same guy. He's going to score more um, throughout his career, like, slowly get better, but he's not going to – Fultz obviously has the bigger upside. Ball has a huge upside. De'Aaron Fox, you know, ton of potential. But Tatum, I don't really see, like, a ton of potential with him. But at the same time, he's also, like, probably the best player as it stands right now. So, yeah, I'd be excited for the Celtics if you've already got, like, a ton of – Guys, you can be excited about, and maybe Gordon Hayward's coming, and all that kind of stuff. Then yeah, Tatum, Tatum makes sense. Your teed up partner, Tate Frazier, needs to say had some had some uh, some mean remarks about Tatum. Tate. Highlighted some minuses. Tate, Let's just Tate, put it that way. Tate concentrated on the minuses <laughs> in the Jason Tatum package. That's, so I'm glad that's you. Shocking. Where did yeah? Where did Tatum go to school? I forget. He Is went to a, uh, oh. a place in North Carolina, the Duke University. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Tate, oh, that's weird. Tate wasn't a fan. There's been some Dennis Smith buzz, and we have not talked about him on this podcast with you. Uh, he had the 48-inch vertical Don't. leap that everybody got uh, blown away about. And I felt from the beginning that this was Steve Francis 2.0 all over again. It just seems like the kind of guy who's going to put up good stats on a bad team. Is there anything you like about him that I'm missing? Um, I, I mean, I think you hit it. I didn't watch a ton of NC State this year. I, I was boycotting Mark Gottfried. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I I purposely wasn't going to get sucked into the vortex because NC State was, like, billed as this great team. They had they had a Turkish dude that they brought in that was supposed to be great, too, and Dennis Smith, and, and I knew they were going to be terrible, so I purposely didn't watch many games, and, and I boycotted them. But, um, 
No, like he he was in the games I did watch. Yeah, he's just like really explosive, really raw. Like he he clearly wasn't well coached and wasn't really sure what he's supposed to be doing out there. But um, I don't know. I I, he, I I could see him. Yeah, having a great NBA career. I mean, like he's got the stuff you can't teach, which is good, right? Like being able to jump high. That's typically a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Lonzo, Lonzo is now. Chris, you feel like there's some. I well, Lonzo backlash that seems like to be all driven by his dad. The relative silence of the Lakers over the last five days to me signals that Lon, that, that they're just sold on Lonzo. Because they should be. Yeah. I mean, they it's a great be. story. It's like I can't wait for this to happen. It's the best. It's the best. I I just think he has the highest ceiling of of. I even think he has a higher ceiling than faults. I got to be honest. Like if it he all might, yeah. if it all falls into place and he has the right teammates, it could be magical. It could be like everything I wanted from Ricky Rubio blown out bigger. Remember Rubio in the two thousand eight Olympics where he was like yes. seventeen playing the Americans? We were like, Oh my god, what's and then it was just like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for his NBA journey. Right. Stays in Spain for two years, goes to Minnesota, he's on a shit team. Kobe rolls into his leg. He's never the same from that. 17 different coaches. And I think Lonzo is just better than him anyway. Like better than what Rubio the Rubio had that run is. Like the second half of last season where he got his jumper got inexplicably hot for like a couple weeks. Yeah. And you were just like, this guy would have obviously been a Hall of Famer if he could hit, yeah. if he could shoot. This is amazing. Like he was just he was also single handedly just like making Wiggins and Towns incredible. Yeah. La- the Lakers should take Lonzo. Titus Rank, give us your top yeah. five ranked on who you'd want to play pickup basketball with. Hmm. I mean, Lonzo would definitely be number one. Me too. Because he passes. He's passed yeah. first. Yeah, that's, you know you're getting the ball. And you, yeah. Uh, and he's just, yeah, he's, he's, he was so fun to watch. Uh, I, I, I'm semi-worried about, like, he, he's got one one-on-one move, and it's a 35-foot step back <laughs> that he shoots from the wrong shoulder. <laughs> That like kind of worries me if I'm being honest, but like, you know, it goes in. You know, he makes it a lot, so that's kind of cool. Uh, he would definitely be number one. I would say Malik Monk. I would love to play pickup with. He would drive me crazy if he's not hidden, but I respect guys that get hot. And I, I, as someone who can get hot myself, not clearly not on the level of Malik Monk, but um, my Titus, that was because you were never in the right system, man. Yeah, Titus, you were right, in the wrong situation. <laughs> As someone who firmly believes in feeding the hot hand and pick up basketball, and it drives me up a wall when people do not feed the hot hand, um, I would love playing with Monk when he's got the hot hand and just like finding a way to get him the ball. Wait, can I interrupt um, you for Fox? one second? Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, the 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 advanced metrics five thirty eight culture, uh-huh. where sometimes the they write stuff when it's clear that they maybe haven't played sports as much as other people. But there's been this whole thing about how the hot hand is a myth and it doesn't really exist. It's total bullshit. It and it's exist. like Get out it, here. it one million percent exists, and there are moments when the rim just gets bigger. And it was yeah. when I did the pod with Durant last week, and one of the best, one of my favorite parts about that pod was when he was talking about how bummed out he was that the finals was over because he was hot. Yeah, like he was like, <laughs> right. I was in the zone. I just want, I want to keep playing basketball. The rim is huge for me right now, and. Mock is a, a great example of the rim just gets big for him. Yeah. And yeah. he goes on these binges. That's why if if we're doing the most fun version of this draft, Mock on the Knicks 
is the most fun destination. Him and MSG having like these oh, 29 going point on halves. Like a Clay yeah. Thompson run at yeah. MSG. Yeah. And MSG just fucking losing their mind because Monk and Porzingis <laughs> are hitting 23s and a half. That's the most fun for this. All right. So you have Monk second. Who's third for playing pickup? Um, I guess I guess Fox. I like Fox a lot. He he goes. He plays really hard. Um, he he would kind of. I would want him on my team because I wouldn't want to play against him. Like he would be the guy that takes it way too seriously. Yeah, he's guarding you um, full court. It, it, yeah, and drive me nuts. So I'd want him on my team so I wouldn't have to play against him. Then probably Fultz, um, just because he can do a little bit of everything and he's those are valuable guys to have. Uh, and he's he mellow. Kind of fits in wherever he needs. Yeah, yeah he's mellow. He won't care out. if he takes the last shot. And then. And then I guess it's Jackson or Tatum, and I'm not sure which one. I, I, it depends on what we need, I guess. I didn't really thought about it. I, I want to shoot a lot, so I would say Jackson. I would make him play defense. I don't want Tatum <laughs> treating me like I'm Luke Kennard and trying to fight for shots like he did on Duke last year. I, I want the shots, so yeah. We did, which I guess is like counterproductive if I said I want Monk on my team and I want the shots, but you know, you know what I mean. So. Tate just did his rankings, and Luke Kennard and Tatum were last. They were tied for last place. <laughs> they were at the, the, the end of the second round. Last question. Then I, I should have said. Yeah, go ahead. I should have said. Yeah, Luke, Luke Kennard, Markinen, um, you know, all, all this the Hornets. That's true. The Hornets are figuring out <laughs> how to get Markinen. They need to add him to their list of seven foot white for the guys. T- the T Wolves have been attached to Markinen <laughs> in every single mock. Like, there's never been a second. Like, I've never seen a single like, oh yeah, maybe they'll trade back or maybe right. they'll trade Zach Levine in this pick for something. It's just always like, nope, Markinen. It's like, it, what? Like, yeah. what? It would be funny if Tibbs gave a press conference and was like, look, we're not fucking taking Markinen, all right? <laughs> <laughs> that guy can't rebound. Last question. Uh, there's been some Luke Kennard climbing into the top 10 buzz. He's this year's workout warrior. Every year there's a workout guy. And after Joe Alexander went eighth, I thought I thought that would be scared. But no. Then Nick Stauskas. Like every couple of years this happens again. Is Luke Kennard an NBA player? Is this somebody that's going to start for a good team? Oh, my God. This is – I. Yes, yes or no. That's my answer. Yes, yes or no. I don't know. He, I'll, like, I'll, so if you don't watch, if you didn't watch Kennard play a lot, you you might think that he's just a shooter. And I will say that he's definitely not just like a spot up three point shooter. Um, he he can score. He's a scorer who can shoot. And I'm not really sure if that translates well. I I was a believer in like guys like Morrison. I thought Red Reddick is having a good career. I guess like maybe he might be the. Um, I, th- that would be the comparison. I know they both played at Duke, and I'm trying not to to compare white Duke guys to other white Duke guys. But um, I, yes, I want to say yes. Like I'm a college guy, but I know like people are going to make fun of him and be like he's not actually that guy. I think his biggest problem is he's he's a white guy who played from Duke and he's from Ohio. And if he was like from Europe somewhere, if he was from France, and you know he was he was some like 18 year old who was billed as like the next big thing, I think people would be more excited about him because. I don't know. White guys who are shorter than six six from America, there's not a, exactly a great track record there. So if you in, said in modern NBA, so if his name was Luca Kanardich <laughs> and he's yeah. from Croatia, people would be higher on him. People would love him. I make this point all the time with like that, that's that's yeah, that's that's a huge deal. That's why like there's a kid at me and Tate talk about this on our podcast all the time. There's a kid at Kansas from uh, Ukraine, Svitoslav Mikhailuk. Who's six foot eight and is supposed to like be this great shooter? And every time in a marquee game, like he does nothing. But like you, you check these mock drafts, he's always like projected to go first round because he's a six foot eight dude from Europe who yeah. can shoot and kind of handle the ball a little bit. Um, yeah, I swear there's something to that. Is that yeah? There's I always you gotta felt, be European. 
the best case ever of this was Mike Dunleavy Jr., who, if he if he was just a Lithuanian guy named Alexandre Dunle- Dunlevich or whatever, <laughs> he would have been the, this. Everybody would have not known what to do with him, but he had the combo of he went to Duke and was a junior and then just was graded on this curve for his whole career. But he actually was like a pretty skilled white swingman guy yeah. for a long, long time. All right. I, I'm a little – I'm more dubious of Kennard. I don't, the word combo guard yeah. is always a red flag for me because that just tells <laughs> me you can't play either position well. Um, so true. who's a combo guard? Like Della Dova? Della Vadova? Right? Grievous Vasquez? We haven't used combo yeah. guard in a while. Combo guard is worrisome. I'd like, to, I'd like somebody to be able to play one of the two positions well. Combo Ty- guard yeah. means I can't play either well. Titus, are you, how high are you on Jonathan Isaac? Mm. Not as high as Tate, who loves Jonathan, who proclaimed Jonathan Isaac to be National Player of the Year like throughout <laughs> the season and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but... I yeah I I like I think I think the tendency there is like people think he's Durant which is what happened with Brandon Ingram where they're like oh a skinny dude who can shoot threes a little bit you're you're the next Durant and right. he's not that he's definitely not that but he also is yeah he's like seven foot tall and can shoot threes so that's cool I, yeah I mean I I don't I I would say he's properly rated if we're doing the uh, the patented overrated underrated properly rated thing yeah okay so yeah. all right this is my new last question. Can we at least agree that Josh Jackson is going to be an incredible in-game dunker in the NBA? Like, at the very least, that's that's going to happen, right? Yes. Yes. He is. He's. Yes. He's going to win a dunk contest. I would bet on that. He's like a nine and a half half out of ten on the dunking on guys scale. Yes. He also strikes me as a guy who, like, is very... Serious about he'll, he'll be very serious about the dunk contest. I hope I hope I'm right. But like, like a little he, too he serious. The guy who, yeah, like he's gonna want to win the dunk contest. He's gonna want to dunk on people. Um, yeah, he's very he's very aggressive, um, very intense. I, I love Josh Jackson. Uh, you know, so he yeah yes. Because I went on a YouTube deep dive. I had watched him in college and I thought he was good, but I went on a YouTube deep dive to try to see what his extended offensive game was. And it was just like all dunk videos. Yeah. It was just him dunking in yeah. traffic on alley oops, um, all over the place. And I didn't really see a lot of drop steps or beating guys off the dribble, dribble, little baseline followaways, none of that. But I saw dunks. I saw lots and lots of dunks. So you're right yeah. for the Celtics, the team that has Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and all that. Like that probably don't need another. There needs guy. to be a rule of how many defensive bulldogs you can have on one team. Right. Yeah. They're, unless you're trying to create a rock fight team. All right, Titus, are you writing this week? Yeah, I'm writing about uh, for the bad movie week. I'm writing about Roadhouse. I'm oh, really excited about that. I've, fantastic. <laughs> Great to hear that. I haven't watched Roadhouse. And then I think I'm going to do something for the draft. I'm going to watch the draft, uh, which, by the way, because a certain somebody that uh, I'm talking to right now has kind of retired the draft diary thing yeah. and is not, giving the, is not giving the people a rundown of the draft as an yeah. event. Um I'm going to try to write about like the draft as an event because it's super interesting to me. Like everyone talks about like what this means for the teams moving forward, like grade the team's drafts, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to, that's not as interesting for a guy like me. Who's like a college basketball guy. I'm more interested in like Fran Fraschilla popping out of his bunker to talk about these, you know, Eastern European guys that he started scouting three weeks earlier. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. That's, you know what? 
I'll be sorry about Shane Battier when he was interviewing guys after the after they would get drafted oh, and he's just monotone and all that kind of stuff. Like that, I did that. To me, the draft is an awesome event, and I'm excited to watch it. So I'm gonna I'll probably write something about that. I did that draft when Shane Battier, who was such a oh, nice yeah, guy, yeah. and he just didn't know how to be a sideline reporter. It was too bad. Yeah. But so yeah. Fran, Fran's really like that because we did the yeah. Giannis draft together. And Jalen and I were so confused by the Giannis clips because we couldn't tell if they were ten foot right. rims, all that stuff. And and Fran had somehow watched like 120 Giannis games <laughs> dating back to like the seventh grade. But yeah, he uh, he had the classic quote about that Bruno guy that Toronto picked. Oh, a year he said, away from being a year he was away. Two years away from being two, two years, years away. away. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I love Fran. Yeah, Fran was good. The, He's awesome. The problem with the draft. Like from when I was doing the diaries way back when, there was so much unintentional comedy, but then the agents and the reps around the players have figured out how to nullify a lot of the comedy. All the suits yeah. are very like well thought out now, and the guys are a lot more polished than they were. Also, t- pick tipping is, is like kind of killed a televisual yeah. event. Yeah. yeah. Like when I was doing it, Darius Miles walked up to the stage and gave David Stern a full body dick on dick hug that would never happen now <laughs> like you can go look it on youtube whatever draft that was he hugs him and it's like it's like a romantic hug that doesn't happen anymore and that that's so anyway if you can if you can mind the comedy of this draft gonna, i fully support it do you, use the diary gimmick i bequeath it to you okay i might, I might i'll think or, about or it a i mean version i'm, I'm of definitely it. gonna I'm definitely going to grill John Calipari. You know John Calipari is going to get in front of a camera at some point, and com- he's going to do his thing where he complains about how he doesn't know which of his players' tables to sit at. And he's right. like, he does that, that complaint thing where it's like actually like a humble brag type situation. Yeah. He, he's the master of that. That's going to piss me off. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be enough content for me to, to work with. But All right, that's Titus. The plan, so. Cool. Thank you. Yep. See All you guys. Right. All right, thanks to Chris Ryan as well for joining us. We're going to call my dad in one second, but first, a quick break with a message brought to you by CreditWise from Capital One. Credit is like a golf major. It's all about how well you perform against the factors that go into a credit score. How good are you at paying your bills on time? How much credit do you have spread across different accounts, and how long have those accounts been open? All of these factors impact your credit health, and since there is no one single score that winners use... I'm on a podcast right now. Yeah, (laughs) my dad crashed the account. Dad, can you wait one second until I finish this, uh, this read? Sure, uh, <laughs> since there's no one single score that lenders use, knowing these factors are key. CreditWise lets you track the factors that make up your credit health using information from, the tr- from your TransUnion credit report. The app can help you spot errors or identify theft and lays out information you need to understand your behaviors and how they impact your credit health. Plus, you can check it anytime without negatively impacting your credit. My dad's credit health is fine, but his health is not fine after this trade. Anyway, the best part, it's 100% free for everyone, whether you're a Capital One customer or not. So step up your game and download CreditWise today. All right, my dad's on the phone. My dad is really upset. It's, he's about as upset as as I've seen him with a Boston sports trade. As as he put it in text the other day, um, he, he thinks Danny Ainge is great at trades and bad at drafting. And I texted him, well, this should make you happy. He's great at trades. And my dad texted back, yeah, but he's bad at drafting. So I, it's like a chicken or an egg thing. You're on the phone. Dad, uh, give us your thoughts. Well, I'm just, you know, all season long we were 
hoping that Brooklyn would fall so far that we'd end up with the number one draft pick, which which means you have total control over which player you want to take, and you want to take the number one, the best player that's out there. And it, it just it just feels like one of those trades where we traded two quarters for a dollar, and nobody knows what that Laker pick's going to look like. Nobody knows what New Orleans is going to look like in two years. The only way that the trade, I could make sense of the trade of the draft picks and live with it is if it's part of a bigger plan to package a number of these assets together to bring in somebody. And I don't know who that somebody is. I mean, the two you keep hearing about are Butler and Anthony Davis, and I can't see Anthony Davis ever happening. So it, it just makes no sense to me unless they were really worried about Fultz's knee, which you mentioned to me. Um, I was guessing, I though. I don't, I don't know either way. It just seems like maybe if they were worried about him physically or if they had just decided they have to pay Isaiah and to pay Isaiah $40 million a year and Fultz $8 million a year when now you're paying two guards half of your salary cap, maybe they just didn't want to do that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, whatever this, whoever the, if they're going to pay Isaiah, whoever the second guard is, is going to be paid. You know, if it's Avery Bradley, he's going to be paid good money. Twenty. I mean, if, yeah. if they bring, if they bring somebody in here, he's going to be paid good money. Uh, if they uh, are fortunate, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm still not convinced that the Lakers are going to take ball. I don't know about you, but. We could end up sitting there with the third pick trying to choose between Ball and Tatum. And I just think that's ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the other thing I mentioned to you, I mean, I was watching TV. I wasn't there, but was watching TV last year when they announced, when Rick Grossback went out, went out to a very large crowd at the Garden to announce that they had chosen Jalen Brown. Yeah. And he got, he got so strongly booed. Well, yeah. What do you think's going to happen this time? People were people were really locked in up here to Fultz. Yeah, you know. So you think uh, you you still live in Boston? We, I mean, we've talked about that before, but for anybody who doesn't know that, uh, everyone in Boston is upset about this trade, right? Everyone I've talked to, uh, first of all, doesn't think they got enough for it. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if if there's everything we've read has said that. There's been three tiers of players in the top 15. Fultz was in a tier by himself. Then you had a tier of four, four or five other people, and then all the others. Well, or and, Fultz and Lonzo were in a tier together. It was either Fultz or Fultz and Lonzo together, but that doesn't matter for us because we have the third pick. Uh, well, I, 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 I never read that Lonzo was in the same tier as uh, Fultz. Chad Ford because, had that. Uh, Chad Ford did the tiers. You just won't pay for ESPN Insider anymore because you won't give ESPN any money. But Well, no, I won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> for reasons that you and I probably shouldn't talk about publicly. Yeah, but, especially after yeah. last week. Uh, <laughs> after, yeah, after last week. Yeah, and I, I just read an article in Hollywood Reporter yeah. that, that made me cringe. But uh, anyway, that's a different topic. Uh, I, I just, 
I just, nobody I have chatted with thinks, if we had gotten more than just one extra draft pick or right. or even a player, you know, I always liked, I thought Holmes, the center on Philly, yeah. would have been a tremendous asset for us. For us. And, I'm, and Philly has about 12 centers, so right. I'm not sure why Ainge didn't apply something more in order so, to make this deal. Kevin O'Connor was on before you, and, and he theorized... And is feels pretty confident about the information that they one of the appeals for this thing for them was that they saved like one and a half million in cap space, dropped them from one to three, and they didn't want to add a player because they're trying to get as much money as possible for free agency. Was his theory? Uh, Because I feel the same with you. I would have. I I just feel like Holmes or Sarge probably should have been in this deal. Should you know? have been in the deal, and and if if you and if if that's the small amount of money that you're trying to make up, then cut more people on the current team. I mean, right. how many people on this current team could could are people that you couldn't live without? Two or three, probably. Uh, what do you? I mean, two or three? I, did I couldn't live without? <laughs> couldn't live without. Yeah, it's basically Horford. Isaiah, Isaiah Horford, and Jalen. And, and, and maybe Brown, Bradley. Maybe, maybe. Not for $25 million a year, though, but for $8 million, Bradley, right. I would put on that right. list. Well, I mean, I'm, that, yeah, I'm talking about the future, that uh, in a year, Avery Bradley is going to want much more money than that. And he may, he may want almost maximum money. Uh, and you're not going to pay him that. I don't think you're going to pay him so that. So you're saying you would, have, so. you would have rather gotten homes and then given away Terry Rogier to make up the money? Of course. I mean, even the Terry Rozier pick a couple, two years ago, you yeah. know, he, he, had, he came in, he had two good workouts, and suddenly a mediocre season became this secret lottery choice that Danny Ainge was going to make. And, and the guy's mediocre. You know, he has a couple of good moments every game, but, you know, he, he's not going to take anywhere. And, I'd, you know, if you have to give up his salary... And bring in a homes, I'd make that trade in a millisecond. You uh, even like that. You you're like the last person in the world who likes Okafor too. I, at least Okafor gives you an inside presence, and I think Okafor and Horford could play together. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I would have rather. I think Holmes would have been a much cheaper option because he was a free agent uh, or a second round pick. So I would have gone that route because he's a rebounder. I mean, we, we watched every one of these playoff games. Most of the season, we got out rebounded, and I, and he made no move range at the at the trade deadline in February. Yeah, I, it just I just feel like I don't. He, I know Ainge has made three great trades that, that certainly he should get a lot of credit for. The you know bringing in KG Garnett, Jeff Ray Allen. Uh, that that period, making the trade with New Jersey, with Brooklyn, New Jersey, for those draft picks, and then uh, signing Isaiah or trading for Isaiah. But there's a lot of other moves that are that are really iffy. Uh, when you look at some of the draft picks that are no longer on our team, I mean James Young, uh, the, the the three point shooter that is out of the league now. Uh, I don't know, just. All right, so let's let's quickly go through this. 
So here's the Ainge draft record, because I've heard you say this, and let's just talk about it. 2004, Jefferson, Delante, and Tony Allen. That was a good draft. Right? Jefferson was a very good pick at, I think, 16 or 17. 15, yeah. The other two, the other two guys are role players. Ah, Tony Allen at 25 is a good pick. Delante was nuts, but he was a good pick at 24. You got to give him that. So he's 1-0 at that draft. Uh, <laughs> next year, Gerald Green and Ryan Gomes. Terrible draft. <laughs> Which, what are you kidding? Next year. I mean, they were, part, they were part of the trade for Garnett, but the, uh, keep going. <laughs> the next year took, took uh, the seventh pick, and instead of taking Rudy Gay, traded it to Portland for Sebastian Telfair and put the uh, LaFrance uh, contract. What a great pick. It, 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 maybe Danny will testify at his trial. <laughs> Probably was coming up next week or soon. <laughs> well, they did get the, rid of the LaFrance contract in that trade. Which, I like LaFrance. So. All right. All yeah, right. So one of my lefties. 07, they flipped Jeff Green for Ray Allen. So we, I, I support that. We, we already... We gave him credit for that one. 2008 flipped, uh, took J.R. Giddens over DeAndre Jordan. You, I got to say, you were very unhappy about that even that night. Uh, you were upset about uh, when that you one. Were, when you and I were talking on the phone right be, at, before we had our pick, I said to you, they need to take DeAndre Jordan. He, he's, a, he's a terrific rebounder. You'd, so you'd seen him for two minutes, but you were all in on him. All in on him. <laughs> I never saw him play, but I'm all in on it. He's eight feet tall. Right. He's a rebounder. Okay. So they missed okay. that one up. 2009, they didn't have a pick. You think? 2010, okay. Avery Bradley at 19. It's a good good draft. You uh, know, he's he's an okay, he's an okay ball player. Oh, stop. You, you Avery must, Bradley's you, good. You, Come on. Don't, don't, you rate don't much, do that. You rate him much higher than I do. The uh, 2012 had... Two picks in a row, 21 and 22, took Jared Sollinger and Fab Mello. Oh, well, how'd that work out? The next eight... Are they, are they, the they're next, both out of the league, by the way. The next, the next eight picks were all terrible, but then the second round in that draft had Jay Crowder, Draymond Green, Chris Middleton, and Will Barton, all from 30 to 40. Wait a minute, we, we didn't draft Jay Crowder. No, I'm saying those were those guys were all in the second round. That yeah, instead well, of d- taking the two they took. Uh right, the year right. after they had sixteen, traded up and took Kelly Olinick, who you can say what you want, but I went to Wiz Celtics game seven with you and you were chanting Kelly, Kelly at the top of your lungs. So no, I'm I'm gonna give that a win. Well I, I believe me, I was not chanting. Kelly you, Kelly. you were chanting Kelly Kelly and you were like, oh my God, it's like Larry Bird came back to life. I totally remember <laughs> yeah. that. Okay. okay. Uh, but they I, did, they I, did I, pass I, on Giannis, so we should mention that, right? Uh, really? He was sitting there, huh? Yeah, that's yeah. a tough one. 2014, Marcus Smart, six pick. The next six picks were Julius Randle, Nick Stauskas, Noah Vonley, Alfred Payton, Doug McDermott. Dario Sarge, would you? I I still support the Marcus Smart pick. I'm sorry. Well, you're higher on him than I am too. Um, I I think I could go out there and shoot 28 percent. By the way, you like Marcus Smart. Now you're just being a, a dick. So, <laughs> 2015, you were not happy about this draft. 
uh, Rogier at 16, RJ Hunter at 28, and then Jordan Mickey at 33. You'd, you'd do all draft. those picks again. And, and I remember when, you know, I don't know whether, I remember when they took Rozier and the next pick was uh, Porter that Chicago took. No, you know, Portis Porter's was like five player. picks later. Yeah. Okay, but, but Porter would have helped us. Uh, he certainly, you know, he fills a need. We didn't need. We don't need twelve guards on our on our team. So that, the port the Rozier pick was puzzling. So they and, had. So here's some of the guys in that draft because they had three picks and and they just didn't do well. Uh, Sam Decker was 18. Portis was 22. Larry Nance Jr. was 27, who turned out to be a, a good bench player. Harrell on the Rockets, player. 32. Uh, yeah. Willie Hernan uh, Gomez, yeah. well, who's good, and then well, this. Let's, let's stop for a minute. You, you and I really liked Harold. We did. Um, he at least and, rebounds. And we took, we took people that aren't even on our team anymore instead of Harold. Yep. This one's gonna hurt your feelings. We took Jordan Mickey at thirty-three, and Rashawn Holmes went thirty-seven. The guy that you wanted the Sixers to include in that trade. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't. And then last year, that just to wrap it up. Jalen Brown at three. I I still would stand by that pick. Then uh, I would I would have taken Murray, the shooter. You just said we had too many guards. Now you're going to take another guard, French Draymond no, he, at tw- at sixteen. <laughs> and then we took Zizic at twenty three, who's going to be on the team next year, and you're going to love him. I don't know. I think. I am looking- Ainge is a fine drafter. He's not a bad drafter. I don't know where that narrative got started. I don't. I don't think. I think he's had some swings and misses. But you know, he's he's they pick some good players. Okay, <laughs> you, 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 you must be doing a podcast with Ainge later today. So <laughs> if you, if you want me to go along with there, well, no, I. Listen, I I've been I was very unhappy at a couple of those drafts, and I do think the Rogier draft they missed out on a bunch of chances too. The two that stand out as just felt bad in the moment, and then turned out to be bad were the Rogier draft, and then the uh, the the Sullinger Mello draft, which was just crazy yeah, that, that we didn't just didn't get anybody who really helped the team out of those two drafts. Right. Um, and, and the and the Rozier, I mean, we had three three picks. Um, and, and just you, missed on you, all of them. You think you, you can hit a home run on one of them, you know, and and, and we just don't. We just didn't. Um, so wait a second, because we we got to go so quickly. If they traded okay. the number, if they traded the number three pick in Crowder for Jimmy Butler, and we ended up turning that number one pick into Jimmy Butler and that Laker pick, are you down with that? I'm good with that. Okay. Um, I I. I'd I'd start the uh, Jay Crowder fan club in Chicago. Yeah, you would you help Jay Pack to make sure he got on the plane? I I I I make sure he was able to fly first class. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> if they kept number three and took Jason Tatum, who by all accounts has that kind of Paul Pierce ish small forward, just knows how to put the ball in the basket, guy. You wouldn't be excited for that? Well, I'll be real excited when they take the the team photo of um, Tatum standing next to Gordon Hayward, standing next to Jake Crowder, standing next to Jalen Brown. 
and we have four guys that are the same guy. Sure, that, that's real exciting. <laughs> Tate, my dad, uh, my dad thinks we should have a senior citizen podcast. Yeah. On the ringer, where he just talks to other old disgruntled sports fans. In five, yeah, that's true. We, we could put I it have on. A fan, I, have a, I have a fan base that thinks the same way I do. <laughs> we call it the Blue Plate Special. You just talk to other people over sixty-five about sports. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a winner. All right, so um, we. You know, you know who our first guest would be. Who? Danny Ainge. Danny, talk Danny. about the draft. Just go through all the picks. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. My final verdict on this trade, which took 90 minutes to get to, is that I I like moving back and getting the extra asset. I wish we had gotten more. I don't think we got enough for the pick. That's where I stand. I agree. With, uh, yeah, and that's how I'm feeling, too. I, I think, think the mentality agree. of it was fine. I agree with it. I don't think there's any way to know if Fultz was going to be the best guy. We certainly didn't need another guard if you're trying to build a team short-term, long-term. But I just don't understand how they didn't get more because Fultz was so appealing for the Sixers right. and was just right. the perfect pick for them. And they had the assets to overpay for him. And I just wish we had gotten that third piece, whether it was a pick swap, whether it was Rashawn Holmes, whether it was Sarich, and then we threw something else in the trade. Whatever it right. had to be, right. I, w- I wish we had gotten. I feel like we got like 85 cents in the dollar for it, for, for yeah, what the right. possibility was. You throw Jay Crowder in there, and you get Sarich and Holmes back with the with the draft well, now, pick. Then I'm happy. Yeah, and now the <laughs> Philly fans are unhappy. But yeah, like we throw in our 2018 first, and they throw in Sarich. Something there was more to the trade that I felt. I it just felt like the Sixers were willing to overpay for that pick, and we got them to right. slightly overpay, but not overpay. And that's that's my regret. I, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for the one more piece to be announced, and and I guess uh, it, it obviously it, there's nothing more to it. Yeah. Um, All right, Dad. I just I'm, I feel badly for Wick Grossback when he has to announce the pick on Thursday night. Yeah, it's it's not going to be a kind <laughs> yeah. reception unless they trade it for no. Jimmy Butler. Then will be fine. All right, Dad. I'll talk well, to you this week. I, well, when do I get my contract from my podcast coming up soon? Oh, wait a second. One more thing. Binge Mode has convinced you to watch Game of Thrones, and now you're on season five. Do you want to give your quick one-minute uh, recap on your first four seasons of Game of Thrones? Well, for for a number of years, you've been after me saying that you knew that I like Lord of the Rings, and you said that I would really get into Game of Thrones, and I was convinced I wouldn't. And uh, because of that podcast a couple weeks ago, I had to watch the first episode of year one. And now I'm binge-watching. I'm in year five, and you finish an episode, and you have to know what happens next, so you watch the next episode. And I think it's just unbelievable. It's like, I love The Wire, but this is really good. This is a really well done, and I'm curious to know where it's heading. So you you listened so. to episode one of Binge Mode's Game of Thrones with Mallory Ribbon and Jason Concepcion, then watched the first episode... And then you are right. now plowing through Game of Thrones, and you've you've put down four I'm and a half seasons in two weeks. I'm on year five. <laughs> <laughs> Most shocking moment so far? Um, probably the red wedding. Um, I didn't see that coming. Probably the second most shocking was when he cut the uh, guy's hand off. Right. Um, the guy. 
the guy saying the third most shocking was how terrifically they filmed the siege of the wall scene. Yeah. Uh, that was great. How many characters so those, do you? How many characters do you actually know the names of? Oh, uh, Tarion. He's the short guy. I can't remember who he is. The short guy. Yeah. Oh, the short guy. The names aren't important, and I, I know I can visually recognize everybody. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well. When when uh when Game of Thrones is on this summer, I'm gonna have you on the pod every week to recap the last for the last five minutes of each pod. Or maybe you'll All be doing maybe. that for the Blue Plate Specials pod. I don't know. <laughs> America, if you want a Blue Plate Special pod hosted by my dad, uh, definitely email yeah. us. Yeah, you might get a lot of responses. I might. Who knows? The internet never yeah. ceases to amaze. All right, Dad. Thanks okay. for coming on. I'll talk to you this week. Talk to you. Bye. All right. Let's uh, let's let's give some thanks to CreditWise from Capital One. That's the free app that lets you track the factors that make up your credit health using information from your TransUnion credit report. You can check it anytime without negatively impacting your credit. Download CreditWise today. Thanks again to Proper Cloth. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier. Thanks to Proper Cloth. Create a custom shirt size in seconds by just answering ten simple questions. Custom choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 different fabrics. From classic to business, stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. Don't forget, I am going out against all odds with Cousin Sal this week to talk about NBA draft props. And we have two more BS podcasts coming this week, at least, plus a ton of awesome uh, video content this week that we have planned on Twitter and Facebook and all of those mediums. So until then, uh, if, if the Celtics do something crazy, we'll also do an emergency podcast, obviously. But until then, thanks for listening to the Marathon Celtics Trade Podcast. Talk to you soon.